Greetings, detective. Welcome to the Murder Mystery Company and our new free service, Calm Mystery. We know that many of you need that calm and centered moment, but meditation isn't necessarily your thing. If you're a mystery lover, a crime fan, and could use a break, you've come to the right place. It sure is a suspenseful world out there, but I have good news for you. In this world, the only suspense will come from the world's best writers. For the next few minutes, we're going to close the door on the outside world. First, find a comfortable chair, sofa, or bed. Take a moment to just relax into that spot. Let your body sink in, slowly releasing the day's tension. Just relax. You've earned this time. You need this time for you. Your body will thank you. Now let's take a moment to clear your mind. I want you to focus on two things. My voice and your breathing. Take a deep breath in through your nose. Let it out slowly through your mouth. Now the same thing, but let's breathe on my count. Three counts in and four counts out. Breathe in one, two, three. Now out one, two, three, four. As we do this, you're going to slowly relax more and be perfectly ready for tonight's dastardly tale. Now again, breathe in. One, two, three. Now out. One, two, three, four. One more time, breathing out the last bit of stress. Breathe in, one, two, three. Now out, one, two, three, four. Excellent. Tonight's tale of mystery, intrigue, and murder is truly spine-tingling. When the fifth day of the thinking machine's imprisonment rolled around, the warden was wearing a hunted look. He was anxious for the end of the thing. He could not help but feel that his distinguished prisoner had been amusing himself. And if this were so, the thinking machine had lost none of his sense of humor. For on this fifth day, he flung down another linen note to the outside guard, bearing the words, Only two days more. Also, he flung down half a dollar. Now the warden knew, he knew, that the man in cell 13 didn't have any half dollars. He couldn't have any half dollars. No more than he could have pen and ink and linen, and yet he did have them. It was a condition, not a theory. 
That is one reason why the warden was wearing a hunted look. That ghastly, uncanny thing, too, about acid and number eight hat clung to him tenaciously. They didn't mean anything, of course. Merely the ravings of an insane murderer who had been driven by fear to confess his crime. Still, there were so many things that didn't mean anything happening in the prison now since the thinking machine was there. On the sixth day, the warden received a postal stating that Dr. Ransom and Mr. Fielding would be at Chisholm Prison on the following evening, Thursday, and in the event Professor Van Dusen had not yet escaped, and they presumed he had not because they had not heard from him, they would meet him there. In the event he had not yet escaped, the warden smiled grimly. Escaped. The thinking machine enlivened this day for the warden with three notes. They were on the usual linen, and bore generally on the appointment at half-past eight o'clock Thursday night, which appointment the scientist had made at the time of his imprisonment. On the afternoon of the seventh day, the warden passed cell 13 and glanced in. The thinking machine was lying on the iron bed, apparently sleeping lightly. The cell appeared precisely as it always did from a casual glance. The warden would swear that no man was going to leave it between that hour. It was then four o'clock, and half-past eight o'clock that evening. On his way back past the cell, the warden heard the steady breathing again, and coming close to the door looked in. He wouldn't have done so if the thinking machine had been looking, but now, well, it was different. A ray of light came through the high window and fell on the face of the sleeping man. It occurred to the warden for the first time that his prisoner appeared haggard and weary. Just then the thinking machine stirred slightly, and the warden hurried on up the corridor guiltily. That evening, after six o'clock, he saw the jailer. "'Everything all right in cell thirteen? he asked. "'Yes, sir,' replied the jailer. "'He didn't eat much, though.' It was with a feeling of having done his duty that the warden received Dr. Ransom and Mr. Fielding shortly after seven o'clock. He intended to show them the linen notes and lay before them the full story of his woes, which was a long one. But before this came to pass, the guard from the riverside of the prison yard entered the office. "'The arc light in my side of the yard won't light,' he informed the warden. "'Confound it! That man's a hoodoo!' thundered the official. "'Everything has happened since he's been here.' The guard went back to his post in the darkness, and the warden phoned to the electric light company. "'This is Chisholm Prison,' he said through the phone. "'Send three or four men down here, quick, to fix an arc light.' The reply was evidently satisfactory, for the warden hung up the receiver and passed out into the yard. While Dr. Ransom and Mr. Fielding sat waiting, 
the guard at the outer gate came in with a special delivery letter. Dr. Ransom happened to notice the address, and when the guard went out, looked at the letter more closely. "'By George!' he exclaimed. "'What is it?' asked Mr. Fielding. Silently, the doctor offered the letter. Mr. Fielding examined it closely. "'Coincidence!' he said. "'It must be!' It was nearly eight o'clock when the warden returned to his office. The electricians had arrived in a wagon and were now at work. The warden pressed the buzz button, communicating with the man at the outer gate in the wall. "'How many electricians came in?' he asked over the short phone. Four, three workmen in jumpers and overalls and the manager, frock coat and silk hat. All right. Be certain that only four go out. That's all. He turned to Dr. Ransom and Mr. Fielding. We have to be careful here. Particularly, and there was broad sarcasm in his tone, since we have scientists locked up. The warden picked up the special delivery letter carelessly and then began to open it. "'When I read this, I want to tell you gentlemen something about how—' "'Great Caesar!' he ended suddenly, as he glanced at the letter. He sat with mouth open, motionless from astonishment. "'What is it?' asked Mr. Fielding. "'A special delivery letter from cell 13,' gasped the warden. "'An invitation to supper.' "'What?' And the two others arose unanimously. The warden sat dazed, staring at the letter for a moment, then called sharply to a guard outside in the corridor. "'Run down to cell 13 and see if that man's in there.' The guard went as directed— while Dr. Ransom and Mr. Fielding examined the letter. "'It's Van Dusen's handwriting, there's no question of that,' said Dr. Ransom. "'I've seen too much of it.' Just then the buzz of the telephone from the outer gate sounded, and the warden, in a semi-trance, picked up the receiver. "'Hello. Two reporters, eh? Let him come in.' He turned suddenly to the doctor and Mr. Fielding. "'Why, the man can't be out. He must be in his cell.' Just at that moment the guard returned. "'He's still in his cell, sir,' he reported. "'I saw him. He's lying down.' "'There, I told you so,' said the warden, and he breathed freely again. "'But how did he mail that letter?' There was a rap on the steel door which led from the jail yard into the warden's office. "'It's the reporters,' said the warden. "'Let them in,' he instructed the guard. Then to the two other gentlemen, "'Don't say anything about this before them, because I'd never hear the last of it.' The door opened, and the two men from the front gate entered. "'Good evening, gentlemen,' said one. That was Hutchinson Hatch. The warden knew him well. "'Well?' demanded the other, irritably. "'I'm here.' 
That was the thinking machine. He squinted belligerently at the warden, who sat with mouth agape. For the moment, that official had nothing to say. Dr. Ransom and Mr. Fielding were amazed, but they didn't know what the warden knew. They were only amazed. He was paralyzed. Hutchinson Hatch, the reporter, took in the scene with greedy eyes. How? How? How did you do it? gasped the warden finally. Come back to the cell, said the thinking machine, in the irritated voice which his scientific associates knew so well. The warden, still in a condition bordering on trance, led the way. Flash your light in there, directed the thinking machine. The warden did so. There was nothing unusual in the appearance of the cell, and there, there on the bed lay the figure of the thinking machine. Certainly, there was the yellow hair. Again the warden looked at the man beside him and wondered at the strangeness of his own dreams. With trembling hands he unlocked the cell door, and the thinking machine passed inside. "'See here,' he said. He kicked at the steel bars in the bottom of the cell door, and three of them were pushed out of place. A fourth broke off and rolled away in the corridor. "'And here, too,' directed the erstwhile prisoner, as he stood on the bed to reach the small window. He swept his hand across the opening, and every bar came out. "'What's this in the bed?' demanded the warden, who was slowly recovering. "'A wig,' was the reply. "'Turn down the cover.' The warden did so. Beneath it lay a large coil of strong rope, thirty feet or more, a dagger, three files, ten feet of electric wire, a thin, powerful pair of steel pliers, a small tack hammer with its handle, and and a Derringer pistol. "'How did you do it?' demanded the warden. "'You gentlemen have an engagement to supper with me at half-past nine o'clock,' said the thinking machine. "'Come on, or we shall be late.' "'But how did you do it?' insisted the warden. "'Don't you ever think you can hold any man who can use his brain?' said the thinking machine. "'Come on, we shall be late.' That's the end of Chapter 5 of The Problem of Cell 13 by Jacques Futrell. While this is a longer story than our usual fare, we believe Futrell displays a particular vision for striking characters in tense situations, so we hope you'll stay with us all the way to the end of this classic escape story. How did the thinking machine escape from Cell 13? Find out next time on our sixth and final installment, here on Calm Mystery, by the Murder Mystery Company and American Immersion Theater. Thank you for listening to Calm Mystery, a Murder Mystery Company production. To solve your own case with us, visit MurderMysteryZoomParty.com, all one word, and use code CALM, C-A-L-M, for $20 off your own Murder Mystery Party. 
we have dozens of entertaining detectives. You can even ask for me, Perry, by name. If no one else can help, and if they can find me, maybe I can help you become Detective of the Night. That's MurderMysteryZoomParty.com, all one word, code CALM.